Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Just Riding Along. Tonight's episode is brought to you by pretzels, because Kenny's eating pretzels. That sounded like a very bready pretzel. Is that one of the fat, like out of the freezer, stick in the oven for a minute pretzels? No, these are the super fake injected with questionable peanut butter ones from Costco. Oh, oh God, man. I love those things. The things I would do for a bucket of those pretzels oh right now. Oh, my gosh. I've eaten like an entire Sam's Club-sized bucket of those on a single road trip before. It shows. Was that, was Jeez, that you're in an one, asshole. <laughs> was that in one day? No, like a long road trip. Like I went to Colorado for a... You know, like from Memphis to Colorado and back for, you know, to go out for like Breck Epic or something. That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Like it included a stage race. I mean, Breck Epic calories aren't real. Yeah, they exactly. Don't like when you're stage racing calories are, they, yeah, like they just, there's no way you can replace all of them. So they just don't matter. At one point, Andrea told me that she ate macaroni and cheese out of the pot during Breck <laughs> Epic. And then like two years later, I did. Uh, Pisco stage race and one day she brings me <clears throat> an entire thing of macaroni and cheese I don't know if she put it in a bowl or she left it in the pot so it'd be hotter but like I was just cold and tired and sad <laughs> and like it had been rainy that day and she just brings me the mac and cheese and is like here you are and I remember I was like laying in bed <laughs> and she gives me an entire thing of mac and cheese and I'm just like this is this is like it's if the you best could imagine possible putting like a little slice of heaven in your mouth one spoonful at a time that's what it would be that's exact and that those were the circumstances under which i ate mac and cheese it had rained during the breck epic stage race which is when you're at elevation it's cold you know it's like 40 45 degrees and raining and i got back to the condo and i was crying trying to get into the condo because my hands didn't work and I couldn't get my key card in the thing and some lady walked up and was like do you need help and I'm like I can't get inside my hands are so cold and she just didn't really say anything and let me into the building (laughs) and I managed to make myself a pot of mac and cheese and at the time I had let um, Tom Parsons, who was doing media coverage, um, I like he was looking for a roommate, and I'm like, yeah, I'd like to split this thousand dollar condo with someone. That would be great. And he came in because he was, you know, equally as cold and tired, but had been able to like have a little more shelter than me. He came in and just I'm sitting on the couch. I don't remember. I think I was still in kit. I don't know. I might have changed. While the mac and cheese was cooking, but I don't remember. But sitting on the couch with just a pot of mac and cheese and a spoon, and he uh, he just kind of laughed like it was it was very appropriate for the day. But yeah, that was a good tangent. Um, speaking about things that are appropriate, we have a lot of questions, so I'm just going to dive into what I've had going on. Then we can dive into new stuff, and then we can go into questions. So what I've had going on, and if I've talked about this, I apologize. But only a little bit because this is mostly free, so I don't care. Um, there's that little skip button on your phone. If you don't like it, you can just skip or you can stop listening, whatever. Build a time adult. machine. Yeah. Um, I shock whizzed my YT, and I was really hoping that I was going to eke some more out of that bike, especially the front end of the bike. You know, it's got a Fox 34 on it. And I was like, I'm going to shock whiz this, and it's going to feel way... At what travel? At 1.30. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to shock whiz this, and it's going to feel way better. And I'm going to preface this with the bars have been a little high. The bars have maybe been a tiny bit close. I've been riding the stock bar stem set up, and it's like a, a race face bar and stem. The stem has no no rise, you know, so it's I can't... It's a zero degree. It's a zero stem, so I can't flip it. The bar has 20 mils of rise, and I'm just like, oh, you know, there's just a lot going on there. I'm like, I'm going to shock with this, and it's going to come alive, and this bike is just going to, like, feel so much better, because I have enjoyed the bike, and I know that you're going to be like, what you said, it was good. It was good. It just, like... Well, no mountain bike now sucks. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's light, right? For as light as it was, it was really good, and 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 look, as long as we've all been riding bikes, like you start to get 
where you just notice when it's not perfect. Well, not even that it's not perfect. It's like there's a trail called Upper Sand Dunes. If you're not familiar with the Arkansas Valley and the Slide of Mountain Trails, fucking deal with it. The shit's great. You should come out it's here and ride one. It's a good trail. Day. Upper Dunes slaps. And for those of you that don't know, Upper Dunes was part of the Salida 720, which is the 12-hour race here in Salida. I did that race the first year. I did seven laps, cleaned that bitch seven times, no dabs. I came through that trail like a bucket of hot molten lava, just <laughs> ripping ass downhill. Like On one lap, someone was standing on the tra- side of the trail with their mouth open as they watched me like rip ass by. I know that trail really well. It's pretty. It's a good trail. It's good. I, it's got I a like couple it. of chunky rock shoots, but like once you know the lines, you just like float through that shit. It's yeah, good. and it's like there's a, the lines are all you know. Don't touch the front brake. Not going to have any trouble. You know, enter them at the correct speed. Don't use the front brake. You're not going to have any problems. In dropper post, we trust. In dropper post, we buck, Lutter buck, right? So. I'd ridden that trail maybe once or twice on the new bike, and every time I'm just like, God, this fork isn't really like doing what I need it to do. And I'm like, I'm going to shock with it, and like, there's just going to be that, like, oh, like, you know, like light from the heavens moment. And the shock whiz was like, fucking good, buddy, fucking good. And I was like, whoo hoo. So I ordered a 36 for it. And if you're like, wait, what? Yeah, I ordered a Fox 36 Factory 2021 with Grip 2 with all the fucking click clackers with 150 travel. And you're like, whoa, you just said your bars felt high. And I ordered an NVM5 bar, which those of you that don't know, the M5 bar has five degrees of rise. And on a 31.8 bar, what that looks like is, you know, the, the clamp is larger, like the stem clamp is larger than the grip area or the controls area. And what they do is rather than the taper being even, the taper is offset to one side. So you can run the bar plus five or minus five millimeters of rise. So like the the Envy or the Niner flat top bar was like one of the yeah, first bars you could do one. that with. Um, same thing. I mean, it's same principles. Yeah, yeah like yeah. plus or minus rise. And I just ordered a an NBM five bar and a Fox thirty six one fifty factory with grip two. And I just installed that on my bike now. Um, it was all delivered today at l- this morning, and I had it by lunch. I was playing air guitar with it, <laughs> and. Um, then, uh, well, I guess it would be Air Spring Guitar. Um, oh, my God. Fuck yeah, I've been thinking of that joke all day. And then um, I just got that all set up. So if you're following along, a couple things to know about the YT that's different from stock now. It has Cush Core in the rear. It has my saddle and grips of preference. And it now has a 36 on the front and a, a different bar. That's your problem. Those grips are terrible. Foam grips just don't need to exist, okay? Brandon from Wolf Tooth is going to appear out of the dryer. I don't care. I like don't a care nice Midwestern if, if we're man. friends. He's going to open the dryer door and be like, oh, don't you know, I found some extra lint in here and I got it all cleaned out for you. And by the way, those grips you don't like. And then he's going to suffocate you with that dryer lint. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, this is why you all listen to the JRA show. We're friends with Brandon from Wolf Tooth and... I'll, I mean, he could be here drinking at the table with us right now, and I'd say, man, those grips fucking suck. I hate those. And I'll just But say, they're foam grips. I don't like any foam grips. They're just, they're foam grips, and I just don't like them at all in any situation. And I'll just say this. My hands don't like holding grips anymore. I've run the Ergon GA3 Fat, GA3, GA2, GA2 Fat. GA3 is the mini wing. I think so. For light days. Um, the GA2 fat is the 33 millimeter diameter. Did you just make grip. a period joke? I did. I did. I made a, a joke because they're, they're mini wings and that would be something that refers to products that would be assistant, assisting, uh, menstruation needs and mini wings <laughs> are something that you would hear like referenced in pads if we're going to keep making people very uncomfortable. So <laughs> that's very period positive. It's I, all right. I always think of those grips with mini wings and I'm like for the light days. Um, <laughs> but with all that said, I don't like holding the GA2 fats anymore. I have some GA2 like OE grips. I don't like holding those. I don't really like holding on to the SRAM grips that came with my bike because it has a twist lock for the rear shock on the left side. So I put the, the I think they're Wolf Tooth 
I don't know the name of their grips anymore, but they're Fat Paul or something. Bear Paul, Fat Paul, South Fat. I don't know. There's something, <laughs> but they're the thirty-ish, thirty-three-ish millimeter grips. They're, Look, if you like foam grips, then yes, they're a nice foam grip. I just do not like foam grips. That's totally fine. But I'm running my grips, my saddle. I'm running a thirty-six and a different bar and stem. Only reason I changed the stem, honestly, is because of different clamp diameters, but. Um, yeah, that bike's slowly becoming bigger and burlier and heavier. And for those of you that want to be like, well, back in the day, you said that your rigid bike was good. Yeah, shut the fuck up. I used to live in Memphis, and my 20-mile <laughs> rides had 200 feet of elevation gain. They I have Fat Paw, Carve, and Razor. Fat Paw. That's what I run. Okay. And I think they have something above Fat Paw, like the uh, extra meat or something. I don't, I don't know. I'm don't making that, that up. They but. have Fat Paw XL, which are longer. God, that's what I need. Oh, they do have mega fat paw grips. Yeah, mega. That sounds like shark. Some shit you'd find on Shark Week. And then mega they have fat mega paw. fat paw cam grips, which are like triangle shaped. All right, because you need the fat part under your palm, but not under your fingers. That way, when you squeeze your brake lever, your brake lever doesn't hit your grip too soon, and you don't poop in your pants. Sure. So, with all that said, what I was trying to do was tell people that I put a new fork on my bike. And I haven't ridden it yet, though. I rode some wheelies in the driveway, and that's it. That's a really good fork. That is the same exact one that I have to the travel and everything. It seems pretty cool. So does yours have, like, the the weird, like, floating axle thing in it? It does, yeah. I'll be – okay, so I want to admit that I had no idea – I had read about it. I was not smart enough to understand how that worked until I held it in my hands. And then I looked at it in my hands, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So, it's pretty yep, cool. Yeah, whole bunch of inner races, essentially. Um, loosen up the little pinchy bolt thing, slam all those races together, and push the fork up and down a couple times, and then tighten the pinch bolt. And ask me if my pinch bolt is titanium. Is your pinch <laughs> bolt titanium? <laughs> it is. I don't know. I mean, I guess, yeah, that's like a low torque bolt relatively well, it doesn't low really torque do bolt, much. Right? yeah like it's not like you're saying i have a titanium through axle i'd run a tie through axle holler at your boy if you make some weird through axle that would fit my yt that doesn't have that god-awful lever to stick out and poke you in the leg for the rear through axle yeah the rear god can't stand that thing i don't know that just seems like something that could break I mean, aluminum is not really the strongest. Oh thing yeah, in the world, let's but... go with aluminum. Yeah, I know. Full it's... strength aluminum, the six thousand five series alloy. Yeah, I don't know what alloys they use for axles. Um, does anybody else have anything they want to discuss, or do we need to launch into how they made semi wireless DIC? <laughs> I mean, I'll say I went for a camping trip in my new truck, and it was cool. It got me into a camping spot that there had like there were. I don't know, whoever has been to Colorado, you're going to understand this. You drive up a forest road, and there will be dispersed camping, and it's like full, full, full. Especially right now where I was, is like a popular area for hunting, and it's archery season right now. And so every spot has an RV in it, and every spot has a trailer, and every spot is full of hunters, and this and that, and like... I finally passed this one spot and it's fucking perfect. It's just got, it's an overlook. Like it's a spot where you would stop and take photos. It's so good. But the entrance to it has like a foot of vert. Like not, not exactly. It, it wasn't really that gnarly, but it obviously given the fullness of the rest of the camping spots in the area, it had intimidated enough people and I'm just like, fuck, yeah, I got this. And I just drove right down that shit. It deterred everyone in a Honda Civic and a Cruise America RV rental, right? Yeah, or with a trailer. Like, you you wouldn't want to pull a trailer down that, for sure. And really, if you had a really long truck, you'd probably drag bottom as you went over the top little crest of it. And it was, like, it was intimidating to get out of it, too. And if it had rained a bunch and it was all slippery, like, it would have been... Loud pedal solves everything. Yeah, like it would have taken a, a generous use of loud pedal. But yeah, so I went camping and I rode the Dirty Copper Triangle, which is a combination of the Colorado Trail, um, kind of going between Vail Pass and, or sorry, Copper Mountain and Camp Hale. And it goes over two passes. It's very beautiful. You have a lot of high country riding, traversing. And then you do this really awful 
uh, Jeep road to get back over to Vale Pass. And that was a thing, but it was all right. I'll have pictures on my Instagram coming up, so I won't talk too much about it. But yeah, that was my, that's been my week. Kenny, anything cool with you or should we talk about semi-wireless wireless? No, I know nothing for me. Let's talk about uh, parts and questions. Can I make a joke about semi-wireless wireless to get started? Sure. Because I really want If wanna... it's a good joke. Everything. <laughs> okay. So let's go way back in time to when I almost lost my job. And I want to admit that I'm wrong. In my mind, I had envisioned a wireless, a, a, a version of Shimano 12-speed electronic shifting, in my mind, was going to be semi-wireless in the other direction. I had envisioned semi-wireless, meaning an autonomous rear derailleur with a wired-up front end, not the other way around. And just... Just I want to go ahead and forecast this and like. What does that have to do with you almost losing your job? Oh, because when the four two nine trail was released and I said it was an ugly hunk of shit. Oh yeah, with Super Boost. <laughs> I had predicted that because you couldn't run a DIT wire through the chainstay, it meant that XTR yeah, yeah, twelve yeah. speed was coming. That was going to be a wired front end with a wireless rear end, meaning like your. I think that was a smart prediction i mean that was a logical prediction but, but i was wrong it's not a logical bike we so. we often talk about how often we were right you know the pike our our idea of a pike world cup is really a sid 35 we wanted eagle tap we got axs right all this stuff so here i am saying i was wrong when it comes to the japanese and their di2 i was wrong which is fine i'm happy to be wrong we have a wonderful picture on our instagram stories right now that if you look at Garrett Olson. Zero ACK. Yeah, so zero A-K-C. A-C-K? A- Sorry, I was trying to look it up and you said it, so I got dyslexic about it. But, yeah, so. He has a really cool photo. But it, let me let me continue. For those of you that don't know, the new DIG wireless is semi-wireless. So that means that the shifters are wireless and this is a road group and it's a road but but hold on i know you have a wireless it's worth saying right now that talks to a wired rear derailleur front derailleur battery setup what that means for the mountain bike world is xtr di2 12 speed is not coming right because you can't have a battery in the front that's wired to a derailleur in the back and deal with modern full suspension. Right. Because a modern full suspension bike went, and I, I guess the only exception would be if they like made steer tube batteries or something that was like never really worked that well on old DI2. But the problem is on a modern mountain bike is when you, when you put a tube, uh, a wire into a tube in a hole, it just comes out the other end. Like on a road bike, you still got the hole like, cavern of bullshit going on where you like put a wire in the frame you're like oh where the fuck does this come out right and you got like (laughs) you got a hole in the bottom bracket you got a fucking headlamp and you're going in there like a gynecologist just going at it right like we're keeping this very very like you need one of those like little reflector things on your head like (laughs) Like a minor like a minor yeah you have like a little reflector shield on your head and you're trying to dig wires out, and it's terrible, right? And that's how road bikes work, and that's fine. But modern mountain bikes don't do that. So if you still need a wire in the front end, there's no way. Like a, let's just use a Yeti and Kenny, the new Specializer tube and tube, right? Yep, tube and tube. Yeah. So what that means is like there's a tube inside the tube. That doesn't mean that you're running two inner tubes. That means that in the down tube, there's a tube that connects the port where the shift cable goes in and a port where the shift cable comes out. You just cram it in one end and whoop, whoop, it pops out the other end. And bike mechanics don't lose their mind, right? So there's no way to run an internal battery or an internal junction box or any of that stuff with tube and tube bikes. And that covers, like tube and tube isn't just Yeti and Specialized. It's all the nice major brands. I mean, Trek doesn't do it, which is really odd to me, but, you know, they're a great brand. Um, 
but like specialized Yeti. But they've got holes that are big enough inside their bike that like you literally you shine a flashlight in the hole and you're like, oh, there's the end of the, there's the cable or there's the brake hose and you reach in with a pick and yank it out. But when I built my Diverge, my Diverge wasn't tube and tube. It was harder than building a tube and tube Yeah, bike. yeah, it is. The tube and tube, you just shove this stuff through there and it comes out the other side. Yeah, you just cram it in the hole. It's amazing. Yeah. So I think for me, if I had to crystal ball this again, which I've been wrong before, I'll be wrong again. But to me, it tells us that DI2, XTR, micro spline, 12-speed is not coming. So that's all I have to say about it. Since I've rambled for 20 minutes here. <laughs> you know, I feel like... Okay, let me just start by saying I'm sure that 12-speed road DI2 works fantastically. I I mean, it's just... It's got to. Like, DI2 has always been really, really good. They do a great job of it. But the it's just weird to me how the main marketing point is how fast it shifts. It's like... I don't know, that's just never, it sounds like, the only time I've heard people complain about slow shifting is with the very first SRAM ETAP. And it wasn't everyone, but that was like the main complaint that anyone ever had with that group was the shifting was too slow. And I don't know, like that's gone now. Like SRAM's wireless shifting works great. ETAP 11 speed is not gone. The very first version of it. There is a lot of that shit well, still banging yeah. around. But I mean, like the new stuff, they, if oh, that was the way, an issue, they've. I think they are, they've actually discontinued making those front derailers. And it's become an issue already where somebody needs to get a replacement <laughs> and you just can't get one. And nothing oh, else shit. is compatible with it. So now you have a one by. <laughs> it's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> See what you do. One by is the future, Kenny. You put two narrow wide chain rings on there and you stop and manually (laughs) shift it by hand. (laughs) Yep, and it's lighter. That would be amazing. (laughs) You only need one battery then. You don't have to worry about buggy front shifting. There you go. But yeah, like that was like people complained about that with the first ETAP. But like if you get a new ETAP bike now, or in the last I don't know, since ETAP's been worked on and upgraded and fancied up a bit it's not really an issue and it seems like they're kind of i don't know if that's their jab at that very first thing and people you know it's made to make shimano people happy like yeah you know we're sticking it to the the other guys by saying our shifting i don't know was campy road like has that ever had the reputation of being like their electronic shifting has that had the reputation of being slow at all do campy They've been doing electric for a while. I'll say this. Anyone that wants EPS, wants EPS. And if you don't want EPS... And that's the campy electronic... What yeah, does EPS stand EPS for? EPS stands for like Electrotechnica Provincial Shifting or some bullshit. I don't know. I don't speak that you don't speak campanese i don't no i don't speak campy i don't i don't speak campignola i'm sorry i do my best um i mean i can spell it now without double checking myself but uh i don't i don't do well with it um fun fact i i did install in 2010 2011 i installed my first record 11 speed group and i still have the little bit of chain that was left over from that. I could tell you the customer's name. I won't, but I could... Was I it a RB? It was at RB Cyclery, but it was a customer's bike. Well, I know. That's what I mean. Like, was it, that wasn't the customer's initials. Because that person used to always come into outdoors and have us install chains because we had the uh, the tool for it. Oh, no, not that person. It was a very nice gentleman um, right. from Memphis, but... I still have that little piece. First 11 speed I ever touched. I remember looking at it and be like, wow, this chain looks thin. And now we're, you know, move forward. But anyways, um, you know, if you want Campy, you want Campy. The only thing I know about Campy is, whereas like DI2 has a a B-junction. And from the B-junction, you like plug wires in. My understanding is, because I've never actually touched EPS in person to work on it. My understanding is, is that EPS has like, the mother squid 
which is like the B junction with a bunch of wires made into it. And you can't change any of the wires individually. So if you cut a wire, then you have to replace the entire like wiring harness for the EPS system. You know, very, very campy feeling right there. You know, we could rebuild 10 speed shifters, but we can't replace individual shift wires. So do I know if it shifts fast? I don't know. Much like the Envy effect, if it shifted terrible, would, would anyone that owned it admit it? No. That's true. But yeah, like that's the only thing I think is weird uh, because I'm sure that it, again, I'm sure it works great. You know, if you're a road person and you love Shimano, by all means, I don't even have to touch it to tell you that it's probably going to be wonderful. But yeah, like Matt said, it's it kind of bodes poorly for anything wireless XTR in the future. And I guess the other thing, like we talk about it shifting faster. Like I've never ridden a DI2 bike and been like, oh, this doesn't shift very fast. I've never, and like, I would bet that if you were smart enough to measure it, like DI2 11 speed probably shifts faster than AXS. And if I'm wrong, I don't care. But like, (laughs) maybe it's only because I've spent a lot of time on AXS on the big cassettes. It would just be like, just like a microsecond though. No, but hear me out. I've never ridden AXS on like a 1033 cassette. Right, I've only yeah. ridden it on like a 1050 or yeah. a 1052. Right, maybe the the AXS 12 speed road is faster than the mountain. You know, just because the jump, like physically, how long does it take the chain to fall that jump? Right, right. But like, it's really good. Like AXS yeah. is real good. It's faster than my GX mechanical, and I'm I'm I don't know if I own GX mechanical anymore, but I did for a long time, and I was always yeah, really yeah. happy. That's with a solid. It. It's still a solid group, even though yeah, there's it, wireless now. But that's a super solid thing to ride if you don't have wireless money. What's your What's your take, Kenny? Have you touched the new DI2 yet? Did you get any like early bikes with it or anything? Might have some on the way. I'm not sure to be quite honest. No, I haven't touched it or seen it in real life yet. I've ridden tons of Axis, you know, ETAP, 11-speed old school, which was pretty horrible in every way. Um, I've ridden one-by mullet um, setups on the road, Axis stuff, and I've ridden just standard two-by stuff. I think it was not even a 36 in the back. I think it was a 1033 with whatever the kind of mid setup was in the front. It was good. I liked it. What else is on that list that we need to talk about? Uh, oh, you, you I put, put sketchy seal on your tire. You know what? I rode through some sharp shit. You better stop. Your tire flattened ass better just <laughs> shut the fuck up. Okay, so I'm going to preface this with I have recently switched to some WTB tires that have, and I've, I think I already said this once in a different episode, that have their slash guard layer of puncture protection and it has been very effective so far i don't like that my tires are heavy now but i do like that whenever i rally through some shit i don't hear like you know coming from my rear tire so that's been really good even though it's a difficult change for me to make but when i installed my last tire and right now just because of availability i'm running the soft tread compound their high grip compound as a rear tire and it's just like the maxis 3c compound it's a wonderful soft rubber compound but it does not last long out here so you know i don't expect this i I was changing out tires and a listener after we had talked about finish line changing their formula to a latex based formula uh, a listener contacted me and said i'm going to send some of this to you because I don't want to put this in my tire, uh, but I want you to try it and be my guinea pig. So I put that sealant in my rear tire, um, and I've ridden it a good bit since then. I've had no issues. It is a lot like regular what you expect. It feels like stands. You know, it's just a white liquid. It's not that weird blue color anymore. Wait, wait. It honestly it looks on, like on. everything else on hold the market. Hold on. I need this is really important. I need you to go back a minute. So you're saying that the co- the tire knows the color of sealant and the <laughs> hole will seal better based on the color. No, I'm just no, saying no, 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 so no, the no. previous version was like a weird color 
and it was like a sludgy So paste. because you didn't like the color of it. No. The tire wouldn't seal? No. Oh, I'm okay. just saying it looks like every other sealant out there other than orange seal, which looks like an orange version of a version of every other sealant out there, okay? But with fucking glitter in it. So y'all know my opinion about that. Anyway, it looks like every other sealant on the market now. I put it in my tire. By the way, the bottle that it comes in, the 8-ounce bottle, is wonderful. The hole that's in the top fits over your valve core, and it's got measurement gradients on the label on the outside, so it's really easy to use that bottle. Even if I end up hating the sealant, I'm going to keep that bottle and fill it back up with my sealant. Moonshine? Oh, sorry. No, with with whatever my sealant of choice is, uh, because it's just so easy to use. Uh, But, you know, I've gone out and I've done some rides. I've been through some sharp shit. You know, that copper triangle, uh, the dirty copper triangle ride that I did had some, um, you know, definitely had some spots that would have made me nervous with my previous thinner tires. So what I'm going to do, since I'm running a tire that I know is going to run out, is going to wear out quickly, once it wears out and I have another tire in hand to put on, I'm going to stab holes in my tire and just see how well this works. Like, I'll use, I don't know, screws, picks, uh, You'll be whatever. very careful so you don't fuck up your rim tape. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try, like, something small, like a, a pick first to kind of simulate a goat head thorn. Uh, just looking into my crystal ball, I'm guessing it's going to work just as any other sealant does now. You know, but poorly at some point. You know, like once you put a big enough hole in the tire, it's going to fail just like every other sealant does. So that's really what I expect out of it. Uh, I don't expect miracles, but I also just based on how it seems like it's just been turned into every other sealant, um, I don't expect it to work any less than any other sealant. So there we go. Um, Questions. Are we going to do those? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Do we want to start with the email ones? Sure. A very nice listener named Axel has offered up a spotting scope. I just opened this email on the fly. so That would be awesome. We were just at the range the other day, and we can't, with my current set of binoculars and the scope on my rifle, you can't see if I've actually hit the target or not. I'm going to answer this right now. You can. I can edit this part out. No, there's no need to. We're, we're doing dead air. Um, Let's see. Next one. Oh, man, that didn't do what I wanted it to do. Happy Single Speeder says, Looking for training tips on single speed life. I want to do more intervals, but I'm spun out in descents and flats. My climbs are generally short and steep, so if I hammer climbs, I'm not really that tired at the end. What do? Question mark. Um, Put a harder gear on your bike. Yep. You're not going to like that answer, but to be fast on your single speed, you know, Chris Plesko, we all, not we all, but I closely watched his sub four project from a couple of years back when he was trying to go sub four on Colorado Trail on single, single speed. speed. Rigid. Rigid. You know, his his dry setup, like all food, no water, was 28 pounds. You know, it was <laughs> absolutely bonkers. He was swapping gears a lot. And something that he maybe didn't post about a ton is he had, like, different bikes for different scenarios. Like, he had his old bike set up with this ridiculous gear just for commuting. Like, 36.14 or something, 29er, you know. Yeah, you can always drag brake, too, if you have to. I've done that doing single speed intervals. It's not perfect. Like, you don't want to just rely on that. But, you know, sometimes you have to do that. It can get you, like, an extra... 30, 30 seconds to a minute of intensity if you just kind of like drag a rear brake or a front brake or something. And you get better at it. It's going to feel really awkward at first. But you can definitely get to if you have, you know, a longer climb, but in the middle of the climb, there's a two minute long flat spot. You'll figure out how hard to drag your brake to get through that and kind of keep your heart rate up. All right. Um, got one. And I'm not going to ask for Kenny's email here through the uh, podcast, but uh Michael says, hey, I have a Kenny Park City question. What's the best way to get a hold of him? Thanks. So, Michael, I will forward your email over to the fullest of faces right now. Um, All right, what do you have? Because those were the ones that I have. All right. 
we have some fantastic questions on Instagram after my previous posting. Oh, there was one that I'm going to address off the top. It was a Revel question, and it was something to the tune of, like, do you think they're going to make it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And when I started at Rebel, I signed a couple of, of NDAs, of course, or a couple. I signed an NDA, right? But, you know, I, I'm just going to be, like, really open and honest here. Like, I still know people that work there. I think that they make a really great riding bike. I think they make a bike that maybe doesn't suit my riding style 100%, meaning, you know, their mid-sized trail bike is, is a little bit more of an enduro bike than I would choose. I want something that's a tiny bit lighter. But I've never ridden anything that works better while braking. So heavy descending on the brakes, bike works wonderful. With all that said, I'm never going to speculate on the demise of a company that is employing people that I know and is trying to do some good work in the industry, which is just like... Or used to employ. Well, no, but like Canfield doesn't, uh, you know, Canfield wants to make aluminum bikes. So the CBF suspension platform offered in carbon, I think that suits a big market hole that truly exists. And I, I don't, you know, I haven't been tuned into that company in 15 months. I don't have like a peek behind the curtain. So asking me if they're going to like fail or thrive, I feel like is asking me, what do you want to happen to that company? And I feel like that's just really crude. I'm really thankful for the, the... I mean, it's just bad karma to wish demise on anyone. Well, no, but I'm really thankful for the learning opportunities that I had, the peak behind the curtain of the industry that I had with them, the traveling that I got to do, albeit very short, and the people that I met while traveling. Those things will never be taken away from me until dementia takes hold of me. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's just... There's there's no reason to speculate poorly. However, and this isn't this isn't rebel. I promise this isn't rebel. I just think in this current climate, if a small brand did disappear, I don't think anyone would be surprised. And again, no peek behind the curtain on. And who else is there other than rebel? What are some of those crazy? What's that crazy South? Pole. Ad- uh, pole rebel. Uh, uh, evil. No, evil's getting a little bit. It doesn't seem like anybody buys evil, <clears throat> evil YT, like kind of those usual subsects that were super hot there for a minute. Uh, it's kind of like the Niner syndrome. Now Niner had other reasons why, um, but also like apparently people are getting pretty pissed off with YT from what I'm reading because they just can't, they can't take care of warranties and this and that and yeah. Yeah, I mean so. Maybe that's the crystal ball, right? Like, and this again isn't pointing to that company directly, but like, if a company can't support post sale issues, that's going to be a big problem. Thankfully, with my YG, I've not had any. But next question, we'll we'll stick on the the topic of uh, people speculating about our our past sort of employments. Uh, someone says, "Why the falling falling out with MBR Mountain Bike Radio?" And we didn't really have a falling out. We just went independent. I mean, I mean, I'll be totally honest. You know, Matt has alluded to this before. Um, I have been doing a lot of work with their reboot as far as editing shows, doing all the business stuff on the back end, learning how to start and run a business. Um, I've been minimally employed since COVID started uh, because I've had some past lung health issues we don't have to get into. Uh, I've been, you know, I've chosen to be minimally employed in a place where I'm not around a lot of people because I could get very sick if I caught COVID. So I need um, whatever money I can get. So when we kind of needed a rest for a little while and then thought, you know, maybe we could come back as something a little bit bigger and more expansive, it's like, well, why don't we just take authority in that and make what we can off of it and you know like the opportunity for that is a little bit bigger if we run the show versus anyone else and there's nothing wrong with mountain bike radio and they still host some great podcasts well and maybe a different way to spin that too is like if we rebooted the show we got a tenth of the listeners and no patreon support and 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 then it would kind of point like 
just riding along show is always going to be like a pet project, right? However, and this isn't to knock on, and I promise, like, just to go back, I wasn't picking on a brand in particular earlier when I said, you know, like, post-care support, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, when we look at, like, Outside Magazine now owns, like, cycling tips and pink bike and, 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 and. Um, and I'm going to go on and say this. I'm going to come back to I'm going to come back to something really important here. Um, I I think you're going to see a homogenization of bicycle media, and with that, as we have fallen into accidentally taking up this kind of like listeners, I, I thought we would have advertisers. I really did when we started this, and I think in the future we might, but I don't know if it would be. I think bike company. I have a, an idea for that, and I might throw it out there to see what our listeners think. But you keep talking. But my point is, is like the integrity of bicycle media is sort of in peril at this point. Of, and when I say that, like I'm not mad at Pink Bike, but I don't need a cycling <laughs> tips weekly digest on Pink Bike. But they do that because the same parent company owns cycling tips and Pink Bike. So now I have to read road content on Pink Bike, and it's like no. I want to go to Pink Bike and see World Cup behind the scenes, like pit tour at a World Cup XC race or downhill race day or whatever. And then I want to go to Cycling Tips and see dudes in spandex, like snagging <laughs> bottles out of cars. Is that what they do on Cycling Tips? Dudes in spandex? Snagging bottles out of cars. I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking of like a very quintessential like road thing. Like you never take a <laughs> bottle from a car on a mountain bike. Like Bottle. The- Bottle. What you didn't. It? You did not say model. Cyclists taking bottles <laughs> from a car. <laughs> I thought you meant like podium girls. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, like I'm just thinking of like the most roadie thing is like taking bottles, like. Oh yeah, that's that's like way better doing than what domes- I domestic things from the car, you know. And my, my point is, is like, we don't need this cross-pollination personally. And if Mike Levy wants to come at me, that's fine. I don't give a shit. But if if we keep seeing these things, and, and I'll say this. I saw something on Facebook this week that I found out I wasn't supposed to see. And I reshared this photo. And then multiple people asked me, why did you share this? And then I looked around and realized that I actually had spy shots to something. I have real spy shots on my phone of a product that shouldn't be available in the mainstream media. And apparently Pink Bike... Was that, is that that yellow and turquoise thing? Yeah. Okay. And Pink Bike, and I'll say this, Pink Bike later leaked this Yeti e-bike, but then they also linked to their podcast where they're like, should cycling media really release embargoed product? It's like, well, f- I don't know. Should cycling media release embargoed product? Uh, it's kind of tough. You signed an embargo, but Look, there's this. I'm just out. I'm just here to say, like if if I see something in the wild that I have not signed a non-disclosure agreement about, you better believe I'm going to talk about it here. Right, but you got to understand for Pink Bike, they've had one of these bikes and they've been right. reviewing one of these bikes and they have signed an NDA for it. But when Joe Blow emails in a picture of it. Where does that fall in their NDA? Because they're not releasing it. Joe Blow released it to them. It's this very sticky thing, and that's where there's this problem. Like, will we ever have shit to ride before it's released? Probably not. Mostly because we're dickheads. Second, because <laughs> no one cares what we think. But no, I think our listeners care what we. No, think but and... my my point is with that is trying to be. I was trying to be silly there, but my point is is like, I used to go to Bike Rumor and they had like weird stuff. Like, weird. Remember they used to, like, scour Eurobike, and then for, like, a month they would have the wildest anodized green shit you've ever seen? <laughs> that was, like, the heyday of Bike Rumor, right? And, and again, Now it's, it's just the same homogenized, like, here's the press releases, and here's the review bike that we've had for three months before right. it was released. and yeah. Which is fine, but it's just not... We're a much different flavor from that. And if we can make it as a different flavor and do something that earns a little bit for us, you know, because there's, 
there, there's the next step, right? Like we don't have anything you can purchase. We will in the future, but right now we don't have anything you can purchase. But it's going to be like we're going to offer this thing and maybe make a little money from that thing and order these. And after selling these, we're going to order those. And after selling those and making a little money, then we can offer that. And after we sell that, then we might have a little coin for ourselves. You know, it's yeah. going to be. And just to, to be transparent with our patrons on Patreon, and a few people have donated through PayPal, um, we really appreciate it. Your money went to, from the month of September, or August, went to pay Kenny and to buy a GoPro for, uh, for us to keep expanding on the content. We had a GoPro, and I think I lost it somewhere in the woods. Matt thinks it's somewhere around the house, but we've torn everything apart and can't find it. So uh, I can definitely say it did not leave the property on me. Yeah, either I lost it in the woods or I lost it somewhere around the house. Uh, either way, it was lost, and we uh, we used our Patreon money to purchase a a new one, and it's here now, and we're going to do some shit with it. Yeah, so, you know, that kind of tackles that. What else is on the list? All right. Um, someone just says, talk shit about shit brands. <laughs> uh, my buddy once had to walk out of the desert because of a Fazari. There we go. He literally... He had search and rescue, like, on the phone, right? And, like, saying, look, I know I'm late, but I'm going to try to do this. No, no, he texted search and rescue... Every hour or two, I can't remember. To say he was alive? He was like, I'm doing fine. And then he's like, I have everything I need. I'm going to take a, like, I'm going to just like take a quick snooze. And then the next day he like got up and was like, I'm moving. I'm fine. And then apparently right before he got back to his hotel, like within like a mile of his hotel, he was riding with like a Sharpie replacing one of the pivot bolts. When he got like really close to the hotel, one of his coworkers picked him up in like the rental Mustang, and he had brought the entire plate of bacon from the buffet table, like the <laughs> continental breakfast. So, um, um, someone says zesting lemons is bullshit. Discuss. When life, who who said that? Um, let me see if Drew C. So Kenny, vodka Izzy, zest a lemon. Are you gonna turn it down? I I don't even know what that is. So zesting is when you remove the outer yellow part without getting any of the white part in there because the white part is bitter and the yellow part has a lot of the essential oils in it. So it has a lot, for a very small piece of fruit skin, it has a lot of flavor. And they're asking if I should put that in a vodka izzy? No, they're just asking they're just if saying, zesting is yeah, bullshit. Yeah, like is zesting bullshit. Like, but if you had something that was a very concentrated essential oil flavor of whatever that citrus is because you can do that with oranges and limes also like i don't think it's bullshit at all i think it's i I, think it's a totally um legitimate way to enjoy the flavor of citrus i think they should broaden their culinary horizons yeah for sure um let me find one that just go whatever's the third one next whatever it is just read it Tell us about a bike you owned in the past that you wish you could have kept and why you wish you could have kept it. I know my answer for this, but I'll let you guys go first. Kenny, you go first. You haven't talked enough. To be honest, I've really enjoyed pretty much every bike I've owned. I've enjoyed. I don't think I've ever made like a mistake or a bad purchase. I am definitely would be the first person to tell you if something I have sucks. I definitely own plenty of stuff that didn't work out come on what about that sweet red line you had i love that bike like that thing was great um (laughs) i mean for i would say bang for the buck that red line monocog single speed just chromoly frame was amazing unfortunately i just it it just beats me up too much like any hardtail period i learned a lot do you still have it no i sold it a long time ago okay it was a good bike though i had a really good time on it um got to enjoy single speeding i rode it it was pretty much my primary bike for two years, and yeah, it was really good. Really what reliable. What about your your KHS mountain bike? Yeah, that one was cool too. Um, that was my first mountain bike. Like my first nice mountain bike was a KHS aluminum frame with a bunch of cool like old school XT stuff on it. And yeah, that was a really cool bike. I built those wheels. Um, yeah, 
That was a neat bike. I mean, I guess I can go through them. I don't have that many bikes. So it was that KHS, and then I went on a long hiatus, and then I bought a Rocky Mountain ETSX. That was a really cool full suspension bike with kind of a unique suspension design, and it worked great. Uh, 26er. I think it was like 130. It was adjustable travel in the rear. I don't remember how much it was. Somewhere in like that 130 ballpark in the rear and like a 150 fork maybe. That was a really good bike. I took, I did some big drops and took some big hits on that thing. And it was pretty good. What did I have after that? I think I might have gotten... Did I get the monocogue? I yeah, and then the monocog. you had... I remember you having the monocogue and a full suspension 26. And yeah. then you got a Niner. And then I got the Niner. So I got the black anodized 80 mil travel uh, aluminum Jet 9. And that was a really good bike. I mean, that thing for the time compared to all the other suspension designs of the day, especially in 29ers, because you're much more limited in what you could get full suspension 29er. You basically had what you had the top fuel or no, was it called the top fuel or was it the super Cal or what was it? What was the one that the top of the frame always broke? Uh, I think it was a top, Uh, the Superfly. Superfly. There you go. Okay. So yeah, there was was like a a Fisher Superfly. Superfly And then what else could you buy? Like they, they maybe made an epic, but like they they broke the scale wrong. That that weird scale RC, but that bike was not very good. No, but there just there were no there was no such thing as like a nice, good pedaling, short travel full suspension twenty nine er. They just wasn't. So that thing was yeah. awesome. It it pedaled so good. Um, I loved that bike. It was great, super fast. And then that broke. And I say broke, it had a pivot problem and they couldn't, it's the way they did the bearings, it pressed into the triangle. They like didn't have a rear triangle for me. So they sent me out the newer hundred mil travel one. So I rode that hundred mil travel aluminum jet for a super long time as well. And then I bought my RKT carbon and that was a fantastic bike. Definitely a little bit on the twitchy side, uh, but great bike. And I dropped the shit out of that bike, like did giant Utah things on it and it was fine. I never broke it. Um, in fact, one of my buddies in Memphis, I believe is still riding it. That thing's probably got 20,000 miles on it or something crazy. <laughs> uh, That's and red. then I had my stump jumper 29 and then my Levo. So pretty honestly, short list of bikes for like way over 10 years of riding, um, like solid 10 years of riding. So I usually keep a bike for at least two to three years. But that's it. I I wish I could answer that question better. I'd say probably probably the monocog because it was the most unique. Everything else was an evolution. Like I've stuck with that kind of 29er full suspension thing. And the monocog was probably the biggest departure from that. And just, yeah, so dead reliable and cheap. And yeah, that was a good bike. All right, Matt. All right. So I'm not going to bore you with all the bikes that I've owned because I've owned a lot of bikes. I'll just go with bikes since I got to Colorado, which would be... Oh, actually, you know what? Sorry, I got to add one more. I forgot that I've had road bikes. I blocked that part of my <laughs> life out. Um, that, uh, that Honestly, that Cannondale CAD 10 was... Yeah, the CAD 10 was a good bike. Good gosh, that bike was so good. Like, it rode sweet. It was light. It was cheap. Holy crap. What a great bike. Anyway. So, I had... I'm going to go through it as fast as possible. I had an R400, Canada R400 road bike. I had a felt cross bike. I had two felt hardtails, one single speed, one not single speed. I had a Titus Racer X29. I went through a dark period on mountain bikes there, and then I got a monocog flight, nicer than Kenny's. Not trying to throw shade, but like Kenny's was like a karate monkey, like track ends straight gauge tubing mine was butted with sliders um and then after that bike i moved up to the crave after the crave i moved into well with the crave i ended up with a geared and a single speed one and then i turned the geared one into a jet 9 rdo carbon and then i moved to colorado with the crave and the jet and a cad 10 and then i sold the jet and then I bought a top fuel. Yeah, I bought my top fuel. 
And then I sold the top fuel. I had a highball very shortly, highball carbon 29, sold that bike too, sold the highball, sold the top fuel. That's when I bought my Fuel EX. And after the Fuel EX, or with the Fuel EX, my demo bike was the Pivot. And then after that, I had an SB130 as a demo bike. After that, I had a Rascal as a demo bike. And then I had an S7 tie hardtail. Oh, I had the Hey Duke in there too. And then I now currently have the Timberjack and the YT and the Otso fat bike. And if we go back and ask, like, what bike do you wish you hadn't sold? I wish I still had either my Crave or my Flight, my Monocog Flight 29er. And the reason that I wish I still had one of those is I want, there's a lot of nostalgia in both of those bikes. And if I could go back and have one of those frames for now to build up as like my shit bike, I'd be pretty happy because those bikes have lots of great memories. But I need to throw down something that's pretty tough to talk about, which is, this isn't what was me, but the bike industry doesn't pay a lot. Every time I've sold a bike, I've been happy to have that money. So it's only now as I feel like I've like made it a little bit and I'm not like broke <laughs> all the time. Do I feel comfortable saying something like, I wish I still had my fill in the blank because when I sold my highball, I finished paying off my student debt. When I sold my crave, I was like, three you know i sold that as like a frame only right like not even a frame set like frame and headset only like i was a little more comfortable because i had like 300 dollars in my pocket like when i sold my flight 29er i didn't sell it to make a car payment don't take it that way but like at the time when i sold that frame fork there's a couple of weird parts attached to it but like that covered my car payment that month so i was a tiny bit more comfortable like you got to understand that like for me bicycles have always been a hustle and it's only been within like the last 12 months have I been able to like take a breath and be like oh man like I want this I'll actually use it I'm gonna buy it it's not like what can I get a deal on what's the best EP price what do I think I could possibly sell and not lose money on like what is the absolute perfect thing because I can't afford if I EP this I can't afford anything else like I'm in a much better spot than I ever have been. So when I look back through those rose-colored lenses and want that bike, I have to acknowledge like when I sold my CAD 10, which was a great road bike, it gave me the money to do X, Y, and Z. So it's really tough to say like I wish I still had one of those because it's hard to crystal ball. Like what did that few hundred bucks or thousand bucks or whatever it was at that time set me up for that let me do this that let me do that etc etc so i don't know there's there's new cool shit being made every day and there's shit on ebay so if i really wanted something i would just go get it but i don't miss any of that stuff bad enough to go get it so i guess i don't really miss it which is a long way of answering your question so i'm gonna give a much shorter answer than matt and kenny Um, i had a moon dust niner air nine carbon and it was the first generation style, so the very large square tubes, quick release rear. I think it had a Reba fork. I don't care about the fork. I'd put a nicer fork on. I'd put the uh, Sid I Ultimate think you had thirty-five. That, uh, you had that white Reba with a twenty mil thraxle, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I might bike. have had. So I think the Moon Dust bike that I had, I bought. It was the last of those frames that I had, and I had at least two, and at least one of them broke. Oh, maybe I was thinking or about had the a white little crack. one you had then. Yeah, I had a white, the black and white, like the orca whale colored one. Um, but no, this was the moon dust color, which is my absolute, is my favorite color bike I've ever owned. And that frame rode like a fucking piece of plywood. It was so stiff. People hated how stiff it was. I loved it. And Matt's face palming right now with innuendo. But Andrea likes riding stiff things. Sure. Anyway, that frame, 
I always wanted something exactly like that. And that would be like my bike that I was sad. Like I was sad to sell it. And I still think about how cool it was. And I will say the spot rocker that I have now, the carbon version, is the closest I think I could ever get to that again. And honestly, for where I live and what I ride now is more appropriate because it's through axle in the rear and it's it's like an updated version of that bike, but it's still not the same bike. If I could still have that Air 9 Carbon, I would just make that my single speed for the rest of its life. And that would just be my, I'd turn my rocker into like a geared hardtail and ride the Niner as a, a, a single speed again with like little gold blingy parts and shit like that. But we're over an hour now, so we should wrap it up. All right, you want to just shut it down? Shut her down. Okay, bye. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your great pads.